1: Pop.
2: Welcome to Switched On Pop. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. Adult contemporary. Two of the most maligned words in music. Could there be anything less cool than being adult and contemporary? It's basically in opposition to being young and present. Like, you have to claim your space and time. I swear, I'm old, but I'm still relevant. Let me explain. Adult Contemporary, originally known as easy listening, was a radio format that comes about in the 1960s as an alternative to the emergent sounds of rock and roll. It played music that was slower, love ballads, clean and conservative, basically a safe musical vibe so that parents could hear Frank Sinatra's My Way.
0: And enough
2: while their teenagers on another radio station could hear the who's my generation generation. and in the 70s as the counterculture grows up so does rock and roll and r b leading to the soft rock of fleetwood mac and neil diamond and james taylor alongside the quiet storm of Smokey robinson turns out that music for adults on the radio is a hit Billboard maintained an easy listening chart until 1979 when they rebranded it as Adult Contemporary. And a lot of artists have had huge radio success in this FM format. I'm talking Elton John, Phil Collins, Tony Braxton, boys to Men, and of course, Celine Dion. For all those times you stood by me for all the truth that you made see. All artists I'm fond of, but when I think of the name adult contemporary i've got to be honest there are two songs that really ruffle my feathers first is savage gardens 1997 hit truly madly deeply this saccharine song full of mixed metaphors topped the adult contemporary chart for 11 weeks and hung around for 123 weeks and then there's the monotonous riff supporting the banal misogyny of maroon 5's girls like you one of the longest chart-topping adult contemporary songs
3: hey, hey,
2: Maybe I'm being a bit harsh here. Listen, there's nothing wrong with music that appeals to adults and can be safely played in department stores and CVS. It's safe middle road music. It's fine. The real problem for me, I think, is the name. I'm an adult living in contemporary times, and I don't feel like this music which uses this label applies to me. That is, until this week, with a new album by the band Chromio, aptly called Adult. Contemporary. The Canadian electro funk duo Chromio have made consistently funky, highly danceable music for 20 years. They've released five studio albums, done the whole festival circuit, Coachella and all, been nominated for a Grammy, all because of this great sound that's been compared to Prince, Zap, and Hall & Oates. But now, with their latest album, they're challenging all of my preconceptions of adult contemporary music by redefining its whole meaning. Here's Chromio.
3: I am Dave, stage name Dave1 from Chromio. And I am P...
1: Full name P Thug from Chromio.
2: Thanks, Dave and P for doing this. I appreciate it. So, you've got this new album coming out called Adult Contemporary. What makes something Adult Contemporary?
3: We always found that word to be really, really funny. Yeah. Because, like, adult contemporary music, you know, we think of Kenny G <music> and uh, Michael Buble. Another summer day is coming. Michael Bolton. But it's also like, that's not music for adults. That's actually music that's totally safe for children to listen to. Mm. If anything, adult music should be like first NWA
1: album.
3: Why are they calling Kenny G adult? You can play Kenny G for a one-month-old child and he'll be like, oh my God, this is so nice. (laughs) So, we always thought that phrase was funny, you know. And, and sometimes, like our albums for titles, we use these phrases that we always thought yeah. was kind of—it's like business, uh, business casual. Business <laughs> casual. That was our third album, you know. Right. But then at the same time, we felt like adult contemporary could have been the name of like an erotic magazine back in the seventies. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like for sure, adult contemporary. And so we kind of took that imaginary thing and ran with it. And the theme is like, on the one hand, adulthood, maturity, and on the other hand, sexiness. And how Mm. can you articulate the two? How could you be a sexy adult? How could you be a millennial with a job, but keep it a little bit funky 10 years after partying at Webster Hall? Like those kinds of themes, you know, because that's kind of our trajectory too.
2: I feel like we hear that on the opening track, New Girl, where you talk about in the first verse, let's talk about loyalty instead of lawyer fees. There's always more to please. Yes.
3: Let's talk about loyalty.
2: I'm curious for you, when you think of the idea of adult contemporary, is it a radio format? Is it a genre? Is it a sound? Is it an intention?
1: No, it's a universe.
2: It's a universe. Say more, please. What are the the sort of tropes or cliches that you associate with that term?
1: Well, because everything you associate immediately to adult contemporary is you know, like soft elevator music, sure. jazz, something for adults to relax to. Yeah. But when we thought about the actual words separately, you have adult be adult entertainment, and then contemporary, which means so many things. Yeah. Contemporary arts, contemporary music, you know, and contemporary is supposed to be something that's actually on the edge, that's edgy, not at the end of your life, yeah. sit, you know, putting on slides and, and next to the fire and, and listening to Kenny G. <laughs> yeah, it means a lot, <laughs> it means a lot. So we had to flip, flip the script completely separate those two words
2: Mm, and then we could start playing with it i don't mean to suggest that this is by any means a concept album there's not an obvious character narrative through line that sort of unfolds in the sort of 70s prog rock narrative uh, concept album kind of way. But did, did it first come as this concept that led to the creation of the songs, which all do very much fall within this theme? I think there's always a dialectic there.
3: Yeah. The only time we made a concept-driven body of work was when we did our quarantine
2: COVID-themed EP, Right. Right. Quarantine Casanova. <laughs> yeah, your lockdown EP that raised a bunch of money for COVID relief with songs like Six Feet Away. Six Feet Away.
3: That's how I'm going to do it. Six Feet Away. Clorox Wipe. If I could be incarnate tonight, I would be a Clorox Wipe. I'll be a Clorox wife. I'll be a Clorox
2: Wipe. Clorox Wipe is a beautiful love song,
3: I, I gotta say. Thank you. We don't hear that enough. But I will say that having done that, it gave me the confidence to try to tighten things up and to see if we could get away with doing that. But in a non-comedic setting, like Quarantine Casanova, obviously was a bit of a comedy thing. Yeah, right, right. But it's not like there's an intention or a mandate that comes. And after that, it's followed by, you know, songs that trickle down. It's usually kind of a a dialectic where we have a title. We were already a year and a half, two years into making the album. But then it helps, gives cohesion to everything. And then it acts kind of a as a guiding North Star principle to everything else. And then all of a sudden, all the pieces have to make sense around that whole. So we had certain song ideas. We had CODA. I'm codependent, coda, coda, coda. Codependent on you. We had words with you. Now I gotta have a word with you. I gotta have a word with you. But then... Once the title coalesced, then it was easy. You know, a song like Ballad of the Insomniacs was something we had written 10, 12 years ago, at least started. And I remember telling P, like, look, we could bring this one back and it would make sense within what we're doing. We'll just change the production. But it kind of fits into this cohesive collection of meditations on mature relationships. You got the be lying awake at night
2: Like ballad of the insomniacs is like it conjures in my mind this image of someone sitting at home watching television at two o'clock in the morning being advertised some kind of sleep aid.
1: Or horoscope reading. <laughs>
3: or yeah, or horoscope. And, they, and they go out and they go out when they party. Yeah. Or, or
2: it's like they, they party as a way of of actually coping with this this, yeah, yeah. this real this real malady that afflicts a lot of people. Yeah, malady. Yeah,
3: you turn the malady
2: into melody because Ooh. because I was
3: because I was thinking I was thinking like when we wrote the hook, it's like if you're an insomniac, where's the party at? And I was even thinking of a video with like a bunch of different people in different New York City apartments all being like insomniac at the same time. And We all have something in common. Like,
2: yo, yeah. who's up?
3: It's two a.m. Who's up?
2: <laughs> okay, let's take a quick break and come back with more adult contemporary. So, so you wanted to explore themes of adultness, contemporary mm-hmm. living. I feel like I'm catching lyrics throughout here that are are maybe underexplored, but also quite intimate, if you will. Yes, I think about like the song BTS, which I'm assuming is a uh, short for behind the scenes. Would you just describe the the setting of of BTS? Well, oh, wait,
3: wait. It's it's a short for behind the scenes, but when you listen to the song, it's not for behind the scenes. Ooh, say more. It's bet. Better than sex. So when we come home from a long week, turn your TV on and sit down. We don't need to speak. Though I love you so bad, I need to confess. Sometimes rest can be better than rest can be better
2: than, better sex. than sex. Oh, yeah, of Because
3: the, right. the chorus, right? It's also something that's behind the scenes because we don't yeah. talk about
2: it. Right, mm-hmm. right,
3: right. Right? But that's the whole thing. It's a play on that.
2: There's a lot of songs that I feel like are about Netflix and chill, and this song is about <laughs> Netflix and rest. Netflix and <laughs> rest. You, you talk about the burdens and detriments of hustle culture. Yes. You literally talk about the challenges of surviving late-stage capitalism. Yes.
3: I still got a couple more concerns. My girl's been dropping hints. I a brand new
2: purse. You literally talk about your tax forms. Yes, but they don't come across as too cheeky. They actually feel quite sincere. So I'm curious yeah. about how you went about trying to thread this needle of talking about adult themes, which might otherwise seem quite banal, but uh, give them space in song.
3: Those lyrics, because it's very borderline, and that's the challenge that we purposely seek. My sort of impetus for that song was, you've got this classic disco trope: working, 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 day and night. I'm working not too bad, right? <laughs> what's What's Saturday Night Fever about? It's a bunch of working class Italians in Brooklyn working hard all week, blue collar, go out and party on a Saturday, right? But the late stage capitalists equivalent of that is you still make a disco song but you're working so much you're assailed so much societally by this consumer culture that like you're not going out you're falling asleep and you're telling That's your me. loved one like you know what I- i'm tapping out peace and it's okay <laughs> it's no less romantic if we both catch our breath some rest can be better than rescue that was the idea. And that's why it's also the most disco sounding song on the album. Mm. It's got all the strings and it, it's really the most disco thing because it meant to harken back to those kind of 80s working day and night disco songs. And there's a whole mm. bunch. That's like a real, it's a, it's it's a, a trope. It's right? a
1: genre, yeah. Yeah. It's a subgenre. <laughs> you
3: gotta be with me. Yeah, yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. Nothing yeah. going on but the rent. You gotta have yeah. a J O B if you wanna be. <laughs> right. You gotta have a No romance with no our finances. Finance. You work hard for your money. <laughs> money. Right, All right, of that. Right. That's a big 80s thing. Right? Reaganomics dance music. So we we took it to like the 2020 recession.
2: Well, maybe we could talk about some of the sounds that we're hearing because you know, you point out this is one of the more disco songs. P, how would you describe the Chromio sound and how did you have to mold it and fit it into this concept to encapsulate this idea of adult contemporary?
1: If the music becomes as mature as the texts, there's no interesting contrast anymore. So hmm. basically, we kind of went back to the energy and the hunger of the first two albums.
3: That shy.
1: And now, I think going back to the most uh, rudimentary form of Chromio, but with added what we've learned in production, in arrangement, like vocal harmonies, we added all of this, but with the same sort of primate in- energy we had on the
3: first two records. It's- Rawness. Yeah, the rawness. I remember P&I like sitting there and being like, dude, remember those Vice parties in 2004? <laughs> you know, a song like I Don't Need a New Girl or even uh, Lost and Found. Like, let's get, let's, I miss Electro. I was loved, now I found like, mm-hmm. let's do something mm-hmm. more Electro because we came up from that.
2: Okay, yeah. So yeah. disco, funk. Electro. And yet there's also there are a few moments where I feel like I hear some allusion to more obvious adult contemporary. Like like this one tiny moment that is at the end of your song Coda. Where it almost feels like it flips to like a ninety-seven point eight FM. Yeah, it's like, a, it's an easy listening vibe. Tell yeah, me about, yeah, yeah. about Coda, the, the song about being codependent, and, and the sort of the blending of these sounds that you have here.
3: It's kind of funny that Coda has a musical, Coda.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's like quadruple entendre. Yes. Coda is codependent. You use the word quota. Till I reach my this song yes. has a coda. Yes!
3: Wow! This is the best interview we've ever had. Fine. <laughs> if everybody else could give us that respect, we would have, we'd have Grammys by now.
2: What the hell! You wrote, you wrote the ultimate coda. We did. It's, it's,
3: uh, <laughs> it's the blending of form and function. And I know it's a 12-step program too, so I thought that was extra funny to kind of give it a, sh- a shout out to the codependents anonymous. Oh, I didn't. It's a 12-step. I, 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 oh, I didn't realize See? that. See, There's oh. another layer to it. Yeah, yeah. Oh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it goes deep. In this coda, we, we have the, the the more direct nod to the more sort of easy listening side of Adult Contemporary, which you were maybe yeah. keen to not, not cite too directly. Because right. if you wrote an album called Adult Contemporary and it just sounded like a FM radio, Adult Contemporary, easy listening record, it might be a, a bit too much. Yeah. Sweet on Sweet, if you will.
3: Sweet on Sweet. Don't want to have Sweet on Sweet. No,
2: no. I'm curious though, P, is there a adult contemporary recording that you consider a modern classic that ought to be revisited maybe is actually subtly an influence to uh, to to all your production
3: Uh, yeah there's so many P you always you always name drop those like didn't you say like you love Kenny Rogers
0: we've got tonight babe
2: so yeah Kenny Rogers of course you know he wrote a lot of stuff for the Bee Gees oh my god right the Bee Gees wrote one of Kenny Rogers most popular songs you and I yeah
3: Well, because there's another Kenny, Kenny Loggins. Of course. He's also a big, he's a big adult contemporary, but he's also a funk king, right? Mm. Like he's just funky as hell. And there was this one performance of him and Michael McDonald doing a, there's a time in my life, right? And the YouTube, you have to find it. It looks like they're performing it in an outdoor festival. It's like um, Pendleton Prince everywhere, (laughs) like real Pendleton Prince, real kind of like, you know that brand Filson? Big Filson yeah. energy.
1: gonna for stand up and fight, out tonight.
3: This is it. It's like the era of like when the saxophones went straight. Like I know it's a different kind of sax, but when yeah. you were seeing a lot of the straight sacks, <laughs> the Soprano sacks. Yeah. <laughs> the right, right. Right. And like yeah. a lot of like percussion guys with like soul patches and like chimes. And you have like Michael McDonald and like Kenny Loggins, <laughs> they're so funky. And I remember that was a big thing for P and I for years. We used to watch uh, that on
2: repeat. What about this Stuart? Do, do you admire other than I mean, obviously it's somewhat comical. Other 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 than the textiles? Well, P, you tell us you have all these musical
3: well, reasons.
1: So on the on the less comical side, yes. Something during this album, as soon as we came up with the name, I immediately went back to Steely Dan, which is hmm. you no. Know, one of the most iconic, very much adult contemporary.
3: Tonight, the dragon, the water,
0: wine,
1: Steely Dan always, apart from the layers of humor and everything, they always had this juxtaposition of really, really classy, well done, super jazzy, super smooth. And then either really funny lyrics or really rough lyrics. Hmm. Right, where the guy's hmm. talking about, you know, shooting heroin and hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like so Steely Dan for me is a it's an amazing high-low combination. And for us, it was the contrary. Them, it's always really intelligent music hmm. with lyrics that are completely just not on the same wavelength. Us it was the contrary it was The lyrics were mature and and sophisticated
2: but we took the musical bed and made it fun danceable danceable a
1: a little rough like went back to the first two Mm. records album drum sounds you know very textured
2: if there were a steely dan record that you had to like really deeply study as you wanted to like pick apart it for production and just like things to learn from is there a song that would stand out for you as a place that requires deep study black cow Black cow. How come?
3: Cause that one's easy. That's another thing about that one is that the main riff is really simple. That's a, probably their best song because it's like rudimentary, and then it goes into the jazz, right? But it's
1: it's also very rich. And then the guy is talking about being depressed, like
3: it's just insane, you know? When P like brought up the, the Steely Dan thing, and we were thinking about the artwork, like yeah. this references a Steely Dan photo.
2: The two of you... uh, In front of the mixing desk. desk. In front of a mixing desk.
1: Even my style is referencing uh, Jeff Skunk Baxter, who's like uh, one of their main guitar players through the years. Uh. He's my stylistic idol, by the way, and best guitar (laughs) players.
2: Something that I feel like is often much forgotten is that the world of adult contemporary pop in disco, at one moment, kind of were all interwoven. There, there may be no better example, I think, than off of thriller Human Nature, human nature. which is written and performed Todo. by Todo. Toto, uh, who course. are you know kings of easy-listening, adult-contemporary kind of music. Some
0: people live their dreams.
2: And there it is on the biggest-selling record of all time. You get Adult Contemporary on Thriller alongside, you know, post-disco. And so it makes sense that your group, so known for your sound that draws off, is heavily influenced from this era, would also go in that direction.
3: Yeah, I mean, this is not like really our Adult adult Contemporary album. In a way, like P said, like production-wise, it's a return to youth. Yeah. But we just feel like, we also felt like, generally speaking, like, I don't know, we had this inclination that like by the time this album would come out, Adults would be trending and, <laughs> and I think we're right. Yeah. I think we're right. Yeah. I think adults are trending because we, when we came up with, with the title, the only thing that was like, like this, like a year and a half ago, we came up with the title and like the only thing that pointed to like a millennial resurgence was like the little indie, the indie fleas thing. Mm-hmm. But now it's even more because like, you know, everybody's calling everybody mother, like all the adults are mother now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Right. And then look at the Grammys. The Grammys were the most adult contemporary Grammys ever. Basically. And it was a coronation of adults. Huh, interesting. Killer Mike, Tracy Chapman, Annie Lennox, Celine Dion. It was adult land.
2: Victoria Monet, who has worked for 15 years to become the best new artist and is in her mid-30s.
3: Killer Mike. It was the adult Grammys. And like, you know... Even, like, Billie Eilish and Olivia, like, when they were performing, you could see they were, like, cosplaying adults. Mm. Even Miley Mm. Cyrus was cosplaying adults. She went on full Dolly Parton, whatever, like— and, and then Tina like,
2: Turner as well. Yeah, a lot of yeah, references. straight yeah. up. I'm telling you, yeah. it's a thing. Yeah.
3: Adults are trending now.
2: Probably because there's a lot of d- deep anxiety about what it means to grow into adulthood as millennials, uh, not 100%. wanting to maybe mirror their boomer parents, trying to find and yeah. navigate what adulthood ought to yeah. look like, and looking for role models that are contemporaneous and songs that might make sense to them. And also, there's I think we're slowly
1: realizing we can't sustain on youth culture for too long mm. <laughs> without, yeah. you know, having other things included. I mean, yeah. everything has been pointing to that from, you know, from companies uh, targeting the younger and younger children, the music being so focused on the concept of
3: youth instead of music. When we were kids, we idolized adults. And we always had these figures like the mother or whatever that was like, for us, that was like RZA. You know, mm. like mm. my hashtag mother was Rizza or the Beastie Boys <laughs> or or you know these guys nas like these guys were were just like five six or sometimes ten years older than us and mm-hmm. they were our guiding lights mm-hmm. through not only not only music but also
2: ethics which you, which you and, and you and you bring this into the album you talk about uh, the I think to a certain degree the ethics of relationship 100%. you talk about moving beyond situationship
3: I graduated my way out of situationships.
2: Way you talk about in the same song, in Got It Good, you you basically talk about what right do our friends have to watch us bicker when they don't realize, you know, part of basically working out conflict is a way of creating deeper intimacy. Wow.
3: Why didn't you write our bio, Charlie? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, Chromio is currently celebrating your 20th anniversary working together, which is amazing, congratulations. I'm currently 10 years into a creative partnership and making this podcast. And honestly, I gotta say, I feel like it couldn't be better. It's the easiest it's ever been. We have our own language to navigate making the things we make. It's very rewarding. There's no conflict that we can't navigate. I'm curious, what happens in a creative partnership in its second decade, and do you have any words of wisdom to offer? The
1: crucial period has already passed. Yeah. I have a theory that in any relationship, there's a crucial period at two years, Mm. and then there's a crucial period at eight years. Once you've passed that, you already have the concept of trust, no ego. You know, I'm sure you and your partner are able to openly discuss about everything without having crazy egotistical arguments or you yeah. know nonsensical fights and that's that's more important then on your second your second step you try to go a little bit harder and and try to spend a little more time planning the rest of your 10 years mm. and this is where it becomes interesting because mm. you have you have the trust you have the history of your first 10 years and you're like okay we know this works now how do we keep this going for a much longer time all you need by by now your combination is already great all you need by now is solid planning and stay hungry stay hungry stay hungry if you're both hungry you're you're still going to sort of feed off of each other so
2: i appreciate the wisdom dave b thank you for joining me on switch on pop i really appreciate it thank thanks you. for having us This episode of Switched on Pop was produced by me, Charlie Harding. Our producer is Rihanna Cruz. Engineering by Brandon McFarlane. Editing by Art Chung. Illustrations by R.S. Gottlieb. Community manager by Abby Barr. Our executive producer is Nishat Kroat And we're a member of the Vox Media Podcast Network and a production of Vulture, which is part of New York Magazine, which you can subscribe to at newyorkmag.com pod. You can find more of our work at Switched on Pop on all the social platforms, switchedonpop.com. And of course, we have our free newsletter where we go deeper into the stories that you hear on the show. You can subscribe to that at our website, switchitonpop.com or find the subscription link in our show notes. We'll be back again next Tuesday. And until then, thanks for listening.
0: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming!